0: This economic growth is nonsense it doesn't no one knows what it means let's move to a new set of very simple measures so when I'm looking at the charts everything is good and that's usually
1: when bad things happen so if the S&P 500 for example is gonna reach an all-time high the whole world is gonna think everything's good everything's growing but that's when the collapse has happened investment produces business it produces employment it takes people off the streets raises
2: incomes but i think as a kind of single dimensional focus which often politics has on on economic growth it can leave other important factors behind
3: i was blessed with a brain that was academic and that wasn't enough by the way to get to where i wanted to get to mm-hmm. because we don't live in a meritocracy mm-hmm. it's actually it's a, it's a false reality in my belief meritocracy
0: is actually dangerous with a global financial
1: collapse on the horizon even more detrimental than in 2008. What are the state politicians and privateers going to do as we face imminent failure? Well, there is hope in one man, ready to confront the challenge more than the rest with a mission to change the world and to create a freer society. He might just be our only catalyst left and the source of truth that the next generation deserves. Philip Ullman, thought leader and social entrepreneur.
3: We'll move on to economic growth and future prosperity. Why are our economies failing to grow? Philip?
0: Yeah, the... the, the the question's the wrong question, I hate to tell you, because uh, what is economic growth? And what does the layman, what do your street homeless people think economic growth means? Well, they haven't got a clue. And well, no, I haven't got a clue. I'm educated. I haven't got a clue because it's meaningless. Because we, we, we come up with these measures which give power to, to the educated, allegedly, and to the, to the politicians, because they can talk nonsense about measures that no one understands and they can manipulate um, and it makes no difference to the real world. It's damaging. So, so the fundamentally, economic growth is dangerous because, one, it can be manipulated, but more importantly, it encourages more and more consumption, um, and, and we're destroying the planet, very simply put. So it's just a crude measure. So I would say we, we don't need economic growth, but we do need measures um, that actually enable us to ensure we're meeting people's needs. So I, I simply say economic growth... Is nonsense. Um, it doesn't. No one knows what it means. Let's move to a new set of very simple measures: food, clothing, jobs, housing, security, safety, and get rid of all this nonsense.
3: Josh, rubbish. It's all rubbish. <laughs> I,
2: mean, I think it's an interesting perspective, and you know, in, in many ways, I'm inclined not to continue to violently agree with Philip <laughs> this morning, but. Um, <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, I think I think sometimes, you know, we can have a misplaced focus on a metric like GDP growth, um, and, you know, it can hide, hide all manner of sins in, in the sense of, quite often in the past, um, the UK and much of the developed countries have achieved phenomenal GDP growth, um, but it's come at a cost of leaving certain people behind, and it's come at a cost of impacting the planet, and it does require... An ever increasing um, growth and an ever increasing consumption. So, um, you know, I think as, whilst there's important elements to having a healthy economy and a healthy tax take, and then that funds public services, and, you know, that's all important stuff, I think to get too fixated on GDP growth, which sometimes can come at the ex- expense of other uh, critical social and planetary uh, factors, can be um, yeah, a, a misshaped focus.
3: Victor, it's interesting that you've both talked about the GDP measurement and you know I have to agree with this it's kind of a bit of a smokescreen isn't it when we talk about wealthy economies and what's actually going on in the country
4: mm. yeah I think I mean the, the basic formula for, for GDP if you define it is consumption plus investment plus government expenditure um, plus you know the difference between exports and imports and I think it's a good measure as a foundation to use because the reason why I say that if we, if we look at UK's growth, um, I think last year was at 4.1%. This year we're predicted to grow for around four point five percent But if we look at countries around the world, you know, emerging economies or countries like India growth rate, 7%, 6%. And I, I take that formula and I sit down in my bedroom and I look at, okay, what's the difference? And, you know, I think Philip said, we don't need more consumption. Um, okay, let's take consumption out the the equation. What about investment? What's happening to investment in the UK? You know, what's happening to foreign direct investment? Are people investing in the UK? Is it attractive anymore? Are there companies that um, people want to grow in the UK? Um, and I use a recent example of um, ARM, which is uh, one of the largest uh, companies in the world. They they produce chips that power 99% of all smartphones in the world. They're based in Cambridge. HQ headquarters in Cambridge but they're listed in US because essentially people don't want to invest you know our tech our tech infrastructure in the UK or investing in the UK is not seen as attractive compared to other states but I think it's important because investment produces business it produces employment takes people off the streets raises incomes this all these things actually help um, to, to get a, a happier society I think so economic growth why is our economy failing to grow I think there's um yeah there's there's a lag in one of these sort of factors and I do I do definitely believe as well we need to also redefine what we're actually measuring um as well in terms of 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 you know happiness which we'll get onto but yeah that's that's what I think
1: so far you raise some good points especially when it comes to giving people their desire to want to produce those businesses. So recently, it was Italy that started a new digital nomad tax. I think it's 10% for anyone that comes in as an incentive to go over there because something to do with retirement age, getting a little higher, etc. So that within itself is naturally going to pull people over there to think, well, I could set up my business over in Italy. I like the life, I like the food and the wine. I mean, who doesn't? We do. But to, to be able to, there's lots of reasons to so the question about, you know, why is the economy not growing? If we start to put measures in, like I said earlier about taxing more of the rich and spreading that across, it will naturally, the large proportion are just going to be shifted somewhere else. There's, I'm a big believer in what I can affect, and there's certain things in which I can't affect, and I just live in a reality of, I know how most people are going to behave. You're always going to have a smaller portion, that are going to think, right, we do need to take care of the planet, we do need to ke- take care of well. world. And I think that's extremely important. But when you disincentivise, say, I can only speak from the UK, and my judgment's a little bit skewed because I have to remember, I come from a financial trading point of view, so everything's priced in a little bit different. So when I'm looking at the economy, as you were saying, uh, why are we to grow? The stock market would tell you otherwise.
3: Well, this is what's interesting, isn't it, about this country?
1: Definitely. And you would think that the worst things come out on good news. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange way to look at it. So when I'm looking at what's happening in the news and talking about GDP and all these things, I'm also looking at a completely different numbers and metrics. Like, right. So when I'm looking at the charts, everything is good. And that's usually when bad things happen. So if the S&P 500, for example, or the FTSE 100 is going to reach an all-time high, the whole world is going to think everything's good, everything's growing. But that's when the collapses happen. That's when the bigger players in the market from what i've seen will actually get out of the market so there's a it's a complex question but i would say my mind is normally skewed because from what i see versus what i'm looking at in finance is always maybe three or four months in the future so it tells a very
0: different story
3: everything you don't like philip
0: absolutely yeah (laughs) to to, to me democracy doesn't work because we have these measures that no one understands so who are you voting for mark understands no one understands, uh, with respect. Do you
3: understand, Mark?
0: Oh, I understand charts, finance numbers, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> what does it come uh, It's such a complicated number, no one can understand. This, there's millions of bits of information you can't understand. It's a collection of meaningless nonsense. <laughs> so, no, you, 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 we need to make democracy work. We need to, to have measures that people understand. So, when you're voting, you can vote for somebody who's actually going to look after mm-hmm. people who are homeless. It's going to look after... Uh, People who ha- who who haven't got food on the table, uh, who who haven't got happy family lives, who haven't got meaningful jobs, and then we can start having debate about real issues rather than this very complicated notions that no one understands. It's, it's not democracy. Is it democracy?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I, th- I I I absolutely take that point that you know a, a metric like GDP growth, ninety five percent of the population, um. They won't have a reference point for that, and it's, it's not relevant you know, to their day-to-day lives. I think, you know, I've, I, I believe in the importance of business in the private sector and the jobs that that creates and the tax revenue that that creates. So I think it's important that that's um, supported in society. Um, but I think as a kind of si- single-dimensional single, um, focus, which often politics has on, on economic growth, um yeah, it can, it can leave other important factors behind. And I think, it, you know, perhaps it has a too strong a focus in, in our democracy, I, I believe.
3: You know, we've mentioned twice now about the fact that uh, these businesses are providing jobs and um, giving people a living. But w- one of the issues that we've got is it might be providing the jobs, But the wages that those people are getting are dreadfully low and do not meet with the cost of living. Um, Never mind the £70,000 that people need to be a little bit happy. Um, So we're looking at whether our children will be the first Western generation poorer than the one before. The answer is yes, isn't it, Victor?
4: I think it... Then, how do you define poor? I mean, if we're
3: 70,000 pounds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I say, why don't you say that 70,000 pounds? I was with Andre Walker yesterday, who talks about the, the drivers of the underground trains mm-hmm. and they get 70,000 pounds, and they're saying, no, it, uh-huh. all, all it's done is it's kept them. In line with the cost of living, which is what what effectively Josh is saying. I mean, yes, it's the same. To that. They're not saying they're massively wealthy. They're just getting the same basic needs being met, mm-hmm. and that's what they're saying. They're probably right.
4: Because seventy thousand. I mean, in the UK, if you are in the top ten percent of earners, and this is for an adult with no kids, you have to earn approximately two thousand six hundred pounds a month. So that salary would be se- close to se- if not below seventy mm-hmm. below, below seventy thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. Um, and you know, in bottom ten percent, we're looking at seven hundred pounds a month now. To your question, would our next generation be poorer? I mean, the reason why I said define poor, if we're looking just you know, in monetary terms, I think this is why. And going back to this, linking it with the last question, economic growth is important, income growth is important, is because if we don't focus on growing our incomes, what's going to happen is everything. Yeah, inflation would happen. Things will get more expensive, or standard of living will sort of reduce in the uk in the uk
3: already is i would argue
4: yes no definitely it, it already is a bit it's forecasted to to yeah real incomes are, are reducing as it stands as inflation stays high um but i think i mean yeah poor, poor i think we need to really focus on you know what what is poor um because there's a saying, so I'm a Christian and there's, you know, I, I would say that if I lose everything, well, I have my peace and my faith, I'm rich. You know, Jesus, um, he, he he tells his disciples parables about don't focus on your wealth on the earth or stop your riches in heaven. So that's that. That's my perspective. Um, you know, I came into the world with nothing and I'm telling uh, Mark this, I'm going to leave the world with nothing. So. I'm just going to
3: leave with a whole load of stuff. he of already
4: <laughs> No, no, no. So I, I, I'm just here to um, essentially live out this purpose. It goes back to this pyramid, self-actualization. Why am I here? And I think that is the driving force of every human being. And it is just a pain where you're trying to live out your purpose, but you have limitations on you financially. That's why yeah. I really think the issue is, yeah.
3: Finance gives you
4: freedom,
1: surely, doesn't 100%. it? 100%. It gives you the the freedom to. We we can't be naive if we look at inflation and we look at the cost of living. People are not likely to take risks on their purpose on what they're actually passionate about mm. when they have uh, two four year old daughters. They're just not going to make the decision. They're not going to make that risk. So it's just the same loop of them being caught into circumstance and justifying it after and rightfully situation. I have people to feed. I have my family to feed. So you have less people taking the risks to do that. So, they're of course, they're going to be unhappy. You see, you see it on the tubes. You see um, people driving to work, sitting in traffic. I can't imagine that's very pleasant. It's, it's miserable. That's why I wanted to escape it myself. And I think that we need to address the root of it, which is, I think stems into the schooling system. You're not taught financial literacy in the early stages. You're not taught how to negotiate. You're not taught how to... Uh, budget. You're not taught all of the communication. You're not taught any communication. You're taught, what do you think you're good at? And let's focus on that. So that doesn't help with the problem either.
3: You're taught about Pythagoras' Fit Theorem as well, aren't you? Which is very useful in life, isn't
4: it? <laughs> yeah, extremely. I mean, our, our government wants to um, <laughs> make maths compulsory at intervals to, to further further that one. But not, not much um, I've heard about the financial literacy piece
1: in the the education, just even saving, just put 10% away. Even simple things. These are not complex. I'm not expecting someone to really go into right. i Want to be an investment banker or anything like that. But just how do you allocate certain percentages? Teaching them ratios. Save 10%, invest 10%. That really simple, good self-discipline to not be month to month. Because I would argue a lot of people they put themselves in this situation. You've seen people. You give them more money. They just spend more money because they don't have the financial literacy to actually do something with it. And then are uncomfortable with it.
3: It's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I uh, once had a conversation with some very young German students mm. who were all talking about pensions and savings. I mean, that might have just been the cohort of students that I talked to. Um, but they said to me that this was just part of their teaching, part of their education, mm. which I think is really interesting, which is what you're talking about.
4: You know, that's important I mean The equation a lot of people Also solve for Is how much income Do I need to make To build up my pension So I can retire early And get that income To pay me for the rest of their life So A lot of people do make that Calculation in their head And they figure out I mean certainly It might vary Different industries But I think in the finance industry They figure out How much do they actually Need to earn to retire And they come up with that age And they sit on doing that Until They reach it
0: What? The question you asked is a very valid question. It's nothing to do with economic growth. The reason why um, the future generation are going to be poorer than the current generation is because we've printed quadrillions of pounds um, and we've poured it into the hands of people with assets. That means uh, asset prices have escalated, whether it's financial assets, which is your pension scheme, or whether it's... uh, The home, which is now, unfortunately, no longer a loving place where you bring up your family, but a financial asset which is increasing in value because of printing more and more money. So what we need to understand is is that the system, again, we call capitalism, which literally means banks are allowed to literally print money. Uh, What that means is banks don't need bank deposits, don't need uh, reserves at the central bank. They can literally print money and give it away. And that's why we've got a situation where the young people... uh, it's going to explode. Has to explode. They can't buy houses, they can't get pensions. That is not sustainable. Victor, it's crazy. I mean, it's not fair to you guys. It's simply the system's been raped and pillaged by um, our generation, and there's nothing left for you guys. Of course, we're going to have an, uh, uh, an explosion because you, you're not going to continue in the end to to uh, accept. I'm not going to be able to buy a house. I'm lucky if I if I can. Get rent for how many years? I mean, I I don't know what your position is. Is it, presumably, it's, do you own your house?
4: No, so I I still live at home. Um, and I think you made a very valid point in terms of the my sort of generation. Some generations, Z, Generation Z, what you want to call it. Um, in terms of us thinking about getting onto the property ladder, unless you're you know graduate working yeah in investment banking in law have a salary you know that's high and work for a couple of years, it's sort of rent rent rent. However, I think then this goes back to. Again, resourcefulness and sort of um, how do you exploit opportunities? That's what entrepreneurs do. So a lot of people from my generation, of course, because we grow from social media, we're looking at alternative ways to make income or potentially get ourselves on the property ladder. Um, You can sit down and complain about, you know, what older generations have done, or you can go out there and do something about it. And I think um, that that's what's happening now. But unfortunately, it boils back to education. Those who don't know um, will have a very tough time those who are constantly educating themselves and i don't mean from the formal education system like they're going out there to educate themselves by any means necessary online talking to people networking increasing their social capital which i've had to do for the last couple of years because i came to that realization many years ago that wow if i don't put myself out there if i don't try to get into you know institutions like cambridge or banking it's not going to work out very well for myself so
0: and that's sad. You, what you're saying is sad, i.e., in order to be able to have a home, you need to do a meaningless job in the merchant bank. That's what you're saying, which is, which is sad.
4: No, I, I'm not, you don't have to do a meaningless job in the merchant bank, but I think you have to do more than the, the average individual. You have to be very proactive and
0: resourceful. That's what I'm saying. Which means most people are not going to be able to, yeah. and that, that cannot be sustainable. It, it can't be sustainable. It's going to be an inclusion You're obviously very self-motivated. Hmm.
3: Very, and bright. And bright. And some people aren't bright.
2: academic. You're very driven. Yeah. You know, you've maybe been given uh, a great upbringing. no idea your background, mm. but given the toolkit to yeah. to go and attack life. But there's so many people that just don't have those attributes. So,
0: the, you know, the system is really failing. And the homeless the people, why can't they have a home? Mm-hmm. With security, and all, all that you're dealing with mm-hmm. is a failure of the system. Mm-hmm. No one's dealing with it. Um, until you change the system, and we change the way we look at money, we change the way we look at uh, rights and obligations which I come back to, mm-hmm. it's going to continue because the system has no means of ensuring that everybody gets their needs. And there
2: will be people like yourself that have that social mobility and do kind of make it and take off, but that, by the nature of it, will only happen to more exceptional individuals, um, you know, and the vast majority of people, I think, the system. And I think, you know, it's a good question because intergenerationally it's getting worse and worse and worse yeah. and the system's leaving more and more and more people behind. And um, so I think um, whilst it will always be possible for certain individuals to kind of hustle and work and, 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 and make it, I think it is important to pan out a bit and look at the the wider system as well
3: yeah and we are going to move on to the next discussion, but uh, you know, I just want to make the point that um, with my parents who were who were migrants and came over to this country, um the the environment that I uh, was lucky enough or not lucky enough, I mm-hmm. realize a little bit now to grow up in, was put your head down, which is like you Victor read the and books. work, work, work. Mm-hmm. I was blessed mm-hmm. with a brain that was academic. There are many, many, many people, and, and that wasn't enough, by the way, to get to where I wanted to get to, because we don't live in a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's a, it's a false reality, yeah. I believe. Meritocracy
0: is actually dangerous.